Welcome to Never End the Story, a rewatch podcast where we watch the movies of our childhood, along with Tepper, a grown man who has never seen them before. I'm your host, Ivan. I'm Shauna. Uh, this week I got a cat, and you know that now. I'm Spencer, and um, I also have had a cat for a while. Uh, I'm Tepper, and there's nothing very interesting about me. This week we'll be watching Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, directed by Ken Hughes, released in 1968. Originally a musical, but for the movie, Dick Van Dyke originally turned down the starring role several times until the offer reached seven digits, a present of the profits, and a promise of no English accent. Spencer brought this movie to us this week. Why? So, uh, when we got a DVD player when I was, oh, probably between 10 and 12, I think that we bought exactly two DVDs, one of which was Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, and the other of which was Reservoir Dogs. So, obviously, I couldn't watch the second one, so I think that I watched Chitty Chitty Bang Bang probably 10 to 15 times in the couple years before we got a decent collection. And I am pretty sure that I did not in any way realize how surreal this movie is then, so I'm excited to rewatch it now. All right. Uh, does anyone else have a personal connection to this film? Uh, I have never seen this before. And obviously Tepper hasn't either. I, however, uh, this was a movie we owned on VHS, and it was the movie. It got to such a point where my dad could leave the house and go out for any amount of time to do chores, and when he returned, he would know exactly where in the movie we were. I've probably watched this movie a few dozen times, at least. Alright, uh... We are now showing Tepper the poster for the movie. Tepper, what do you think this movie is about? I've seen this poster before. My parents owned a copy of this movie. Uh, I could, I would see it in the VHS cabinet we had. I never had any interest in watching it whatsoever because it looked terrible. I was repulsed by this, this very image. Even to this day, it still just disgusts me and repulses me. What's not to like? There is a flying car, there is a castle, there's a Dick Van Dyke, and at least three other people. Not to mention the unquestionable aerodynamic features yeah. of that car. Like, as you all know, there are fins on the front of every modern plane. Like, this car was ahead of its time. Uh, yeah, so in terms of, like, what the movie's actually about, I I heard, I can't remember who mentioned it, that I think Shauna mentioned it to me, that it is a musical. I hate musicals. I despise them. I think every movie, every live-action movie that is a musical would be better served by removing the musical parts. Um, <laughs> and uh, I have absolutely no idea what will happen in this movie other than there is a flying car and some random people waving. Oh, it is inspired by Ian Fleming, too. It's actually going to be a first. Uh, I've actually not seen this movie either. So we're going to have actually two people who've never seen a movie on this podcast for the first time. Yeah. I am additionally excited to uh, uh, remember whether or not Chitty Chitty Bang Bang can take off without a runway, because it looks like those propellers would probably allow you to have a stationary <laughs> liftoff, but I do not remember this movie well enough to know whether or not that is a feature of this particular mode of transportation, so it'll be a journey of discovery for us all. 
I definitely remember scenes of it not taking off vertically, but that doesn't necessarily mean it doesn't. Um, I definitely remember the second half of this movie less well, because for whatever reason, about halfway, maybe through the movie, there's a lullaby, and that just is not the way to keep a child's uh, attention. But yeah, I definitely remember the beginning of this movie very, very well. I'm wondering if the castle is actually lopsided, or if that's just a mistake on the poster. I mean, the car is lopsided. No, but like, look at the, <laughs> the castle compared to the trees. It is lopsided. I'm agreeing with Sean on this one. No, the castle's lopsided. I disagree. It's compared it's, to the trees. Okay, it's not perfectly in line, I will say. This is one of those Star Trek problems where you have to remember that the camera is aligned to make Chitty Chitty Bang Bang look straight, which it, it is not necessarily. Like, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang could be banked to the right. I will accept no criticisms about this poster or this movie. Alright, see you after the film. Lollipop! Ice cream! Chocolate all free today! And we're back. So, what did everyone think? Weird. Okay. Yeah. Simultaneously weirder and less weird than I remember it. Yeah, it was okay. Basically exactly what I remember. I will say, as a kid, I never realized that the second half of the movie is a story being told. Yeah, I only realized that much later. I only realized that in this viewing. I just assumed that's how the world worked. Admittedly, it does really blur the line between fantasy and reality at the end when, as they get married, they take off into the sky. Also, confirmed, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang can take off vertically. <laughs> yep. You were very excited when yeah, that happened. Yeah, capable of uh, VTOL. I mean, like, admittedly, that's, like, years before its time. Yeah. Unrealized genius. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was, I wasn't, like, super engaged with the movie. Like, there were parts I liked. There were a bunch of parts that I was kind of bored at. Um, some of the songs were okay. Most of them I was kind of bored with. Um, kids are awful. <laughs> like, like the, that's why they're illegal. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, I kept finding myself, like, over the course of the past couple movies we've watched, uh, not so much Back to the Future, but the other two, it's like, kids are the worst. Kids are terrible. Uh, so what specifically did you dislike about these children, just out of curiosity? Um, I mean, they very nearly got, like, run over, like, twice, and then tried to blame it on her. And then, hey, kids, stay here, all right? Don't move. There are people purposefully out to get you. Hey, there's a guy offering us candy. Let's go out. And it was like, oh, the kids are dumb. Yeah, it was just kind of irritating. I, I just don't like, I'm kind of biased, though. I don't like kids. So take my opinion with a huge grain Especially of salt. Especially like... How there was a candy man looking for children after they were expressly told that there are no children around here. Yeah. 
Also, they've se- they saw his face before when he was trying to capture them. Yeah. And he's not not a distinctive-looking person. Like, you could pick that guy out of a lineup. <laughs> yeah. And, like, and it wasn't like these kids are, like, super dumb. Like, they were shown, like, through some parts of the movie to be, like, not, like, super intelligent, but, like, a little crafty. Admittedly, we never once see them go to school. Yeah, we're expressly told that they don't do that. Yeah, yeah exactly. He claims he homeschools them, but we also never see that. We instead see him lock himself away for several days <laughs> and make no engagement with his family. Yeah. Okay, so uh, on one of my notes here, um, is it just me or do you think that mental illness runs in that family? <laughs> Any particular kind you're thinking of? Well, I mean, like, the grandfather obviously uh, 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 lives a life of complete delusion. <laughs> That could be senility. True, true. But I mean, like, it doesn't seem like his son is super reasonable either. Like, his son is definitely sane at the moment. But, like, I mean, firstly, he should be in show business. Yes. And not an inventor. Very much so. (laughs) Yeah, no, like, his inventor, that's like a side project. He's much better at entertaining and singing. And dancing. Did you see how fast he caught up with the choreography of that um, circus act? That was amazing. Yeah. And, like, it wasn't even like he was singing along. They were following up on the lines that he made up. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and they were so impressed, they paid him at the end of the show. Yeah, yeah, I love (laughs) that. Yeah, I know! (laughs) That was great. Oh, man. Yeah, he very much is a bard with a bunch of ranks in craft skills, but not enough. He's managed to live his entire life missing his calling despite actively pursuing it. Yeah, basically. Even, like, his only successful invention is only made better through his very active storytelling. Yeah. Wait, is the car or the whistle candy his best invention? I was referring to the car, but I suppose technically... The candy is the most financially successful. Well, and, like, let's be honest. Other than the, like, little bit of reality-breaking flying around at the end, he kind of just fixed a car. Yeah. Yeah. He improved the... He he improved the base design. He put a boat on it. Not really an invention, though. I mean, I feel like he invented a motor that you don't have to crank start. I don't think we ever see that... Oh, maybe we do at the very, very beginning. But we see that very rarely with Chitty. You just have to crank start it once and then it's good forever. Yeah. Uh, major theme of the movie, though, is running people off the road. Yeah? Uh... <laughs> you guys may have thought I was joking when I called that during the second time it happened. <laughs> but no. And, like, the opening of the movie, I was like, is this movie going to open up with the death of a child? Like, I hope so, but then it disappointed me. (laughs) Also, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but um, at the very beginning of the movie, they, like, offhandedly mentioned that in this timeline, he invented rockets. Well, again, it it may be in the same vein as how he invented cars. By, like, slightly reinventing them? Or, like, reimagining them, I suppose? Yeah, like, he did not invent fireworks. He just strapped fireworks to himself and called it rockets. 
Which I guess as long as he patents the word, it's going to be valuable by the by the Second World War. Oh, I don't know if you guys uh, noticed this, but at the end, uh, the Ford Motor Company sponsored this movie. Yeah. Yeah, I saw yeah, that. That was neat. Yeah, that makes, a lo- that makes a lot of sense. They'd have access to a lot of old cars. Okay, so I have my top three favorite characters rated from this viewing. I don't know if you guys have any similar input. I could come up with such a thing. Yeah, same. So my number one character is Grandpa, followed by the child catcher. Third is both of the spies. It's a very accurate list. As soon as Grandpa showed up, I, I said to everyone, best non-car character. Yeah, he, he was he was great. Like, uh, definitely one of the one of the highlights of, of the movie for me. The spies were awesome as well. Uh, yeah, I think if the I think if they had a little more screen time, they'd probably go up the list. But Yeah, they had a very strong start, and then they f- kind of fizzled out near the end. Yeah. You don't need spies in your own country. It just seems to me like a bad plan to throw your, like, two spies out of, like, out of the, all the five dudes up there. Throw out two of the other schmucks. <laughs> but they're rich! The spies are the most aptly able to punish you. Yeah, you'd think they'd just, like, swim back to to England and then, like... Defect? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they probably know a lot about Vulgaria that Vulgaria doesn't want you to know. Such as uh, the fact that they repeatedly violated British sovereignty and kidnapped a British citizen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That one, yeah. Yeah. And, like, summarily executed him without trial, except for a hair's breadth of a misunderstanding. Yeah. Uh, was it? I, I imagine you guys saw this too. Uh, the scene where they're looking for the children, very reminiscent of like Nazis looking for Jewish people. I mean, that's not not what they want you to take away from this. <laughs> yeah, but like it really, it was really uh, very similar. Like just hiding them under under the floorboards. It's less blatant than the Sound of Music. Mm, yeah. But yes. Yeah. Wait, is the sound of music supposed to be allegorical? I thought that was <laughs> literally about hiding Jews from Nazis. No, it is literally. That's why this is less subtle. Or, oh, okay. Or sorry, this is more subtle. I was gonna say, like, I don't, I don't think that the sound of music is supposed to be an allegory for that. Like, I think it's actually just a story about that. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was like, oh, that's not an allegorical. Exactly. I didn't <laughs> say it was an allegory. <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, the only one who gets rich in the War on Children is the net makers. <laughs> that was a really good line. What do you think he does with that sickle? Like, the child catcher had two tools. Yeah. A big net and a fucking hand sickle. Uh, to shove the kid into the net? It's like a hook. It's, yeah, yeah. to grab the kid. The, the Duchess is not particularly fond of kids. Was that, is that right? Was she a duchess? What was she? Yeah, she's, yeah a she's a duchess. He's a baron, she's a duchess. Is that, does that, Oh, no, sorry, together? she's a baroness. The credits said she was a baroness. Oh, okay. Wait, is this country run by a baron? Is a barony a state-level entity? Mm, as far as I recall, no. So, like, there's a king that's letting him run rampant. <laughs> <laughs> That's for the sequel. I mean, he's the most he's, he's the most evil man in the world. So how could you not? 
Did it say that he's the most evil man, or just that he is evil? It was, it might have been most villainous. He definitely said he is the most of a type of evil in the world. Yeah, yeah, John, John's correct on that. I, I, I distinctly recall something along those lines. Yeah, I mean, I guess he was pretty villainous. Like, he does directly threaten people multiple times, and, like, when his wife gets shot up into the air, he just pulls out a shotgun. <laughs> I, that scene was like great. he was not subtle about that at all. I, I I'm still on his defense in this one. I think he really likes children and she hates them, and the only way he can save them is by killing his wife. I I prefer my theory that she's just so powerful she could kill him easily. So he has to kill her very subtly because if she found out he wants to kill her, she would just slaughter him. It's not particularly subtle. Exactly. This is That's exactly where I was going to go. Like, when he was doing the thing in the bedroom where he's, like, dancing around and, like, throwing her in peril's way. Subtlety. When he just goes, like, oh, she looks like a clay pigeon? I guess that's carte blanche to shoot her with his rifle. In front of, like, a hundred people. <laughs> that was great. That, that whole scene, like, when she got shot up in the air and then he just pulls out a shotgun, I was like, <laughs> Yes. <laughs> he's an honorable man though like when she was in the water he stopped shooting well he was trying to save her she was stuck in the air and he had to get her down yeah yeah that was the guise of him shooting her it's how you get a duck out of the sky <laughs> it needs help <laughs> well her dress was acting as a parachute so the goal was to pop the parachute yeah, yeah. he was just trying to save her guys your honor <laughs> 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 she went real off to the side though like way outside the castle ab ab above the water the the lake that is evidently connected to the ocean yep okay wait this just occurred to me why did he have an ejector seat in the back seat where his children sit yeah for when you want some alone time with the lady <laughs> that checks out <laughs> Sounds about right. Also, also to be fair, he didn't intentionally do anything to that car. The car made itself magical. That, yeah. <laughs> True, at the end, it just drives itself in yeah. to pick them all up. <laughs> yeah, actually, it does. <laughs> Receive a text, hey, we're outside. Because <laughs> we get a bit of that at the very beginning, where where when we're told that, that uh, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang is going to be destroyed... It rumbles, yeah. despite no occupants. So, evidently, probably a magic car, or possibly the mother bird tending to its nest inside the <laughs> engine block. We'll never know. It did also successfully navigate from Britain to Bulgaria. Like, by itself. Yeah. 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 I mean, that, again, those take place during the story segment. The rumbling by itself and the flying at the end of the movie take place in presumably reality yeah the transitions weren't great because the transition into the the fake story part good like it it uh, communicated that this is now a story and everything that here that happens here is fictional but then when it transitioned back to reality like not great there are a few times in the story where it looked like they just transitioned back to reality before they crossed the ocean and all that just yeah well that's where like i never realized it was a story as a kid because I guess, like, the waviness and the boat completely changing 
kind of missed that part. <laughs> and if you miss that, there's no reason to know that it's a story. Fair. So, so like, the way the story's structured is interesting because it's, like, it's a story in three acts where kind of, like, like, the acts felt disconnected from one another, um, where it was, like, okay, there's a car, need to acquire money to acquire a car, invention stuff, the candy, the show, the haircut thing, okay, acquires car, now it's car time, and then there's, like, the romance with her. And then, okay, and that act now move into story mode. Whole story thing happens. And then the ending sequence. You you wouldn't say that the second act begins when they get Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, because that's when the whole story shifts from being about him and his money to his romance with her. Wouldn't you say that the second act, like the act transition from one to two is when he finishes repairing Chitty yeah, Chitty Bang Bang? Yeah, that's what I said. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, I said act uh, Act 1 is money to acquire Chitty. Act 2 is, hey, I'm going to drive this nice car and meet this lady. Uh, and then Act 3 is the story, and then ending. Also, obviously, like, the story, like, inside of the story, it spans several days, but she effectively falls in love with him that afternoon. The second afternoon, yes. Yeah, the second afternoon. But isn't she in love with him... By the end of the first afternoon, like, she goes and sings in her garden about how she's in love with him. Well, so, when she first brings them home, is that supposed to be the morning, and then later that day, he goes to... No, it's because there's a night transition there. So, the first day, he's he's an ass to her. Yep. And then the second day, they meet again, and she's just like, Oh man, his candy makes good sounds. I'm gonna support him forever, <laughs> man. He had some, he had some like fucking lines for her when she first like appeared, where he just yeah. just shit all over her. It was hilarious. If a woman's gonna drive a car, she should at least know how to drive it. <laughs> I as, I imagine we have Ian Fleming to thank for that. <laughs> he was thinking about his wife when he was writing that part. <laughs> but also, think her monologue of falling in love with him. Happened in the story. Yeah. It happened after the boat scene. Like, the boat scene happened, they drove on land, they oh, yeah. dropped her off, she monologues, they pick her back oh, up again, and God, then they go right. home. Yep, that does happen then. So wait, wait, wait. He told her a story about her falling in love with him, which caused her to fall in love with him? Again, he's a really good bard. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> 10 out of 10 bard, 1 out of 10 inventor. <laughs> and then he didn't even, but he didn't even intend to have told her to fall in love with him. Or he's just that good at playing the game. <laughs> do you think he's like, oh man, do you think he taught his kids to do this? Do you think he just, like, he's hustling her? Maybe, cause, yeah, they go to the beach and the kids sing to her. That they really like her, and she's awesome. And then she starts to sing back she, that they're awesome, and she really likes these kids. And, like, they lure her into the family. Oh, my... Yeah, that's true. It's one big con that he just plays on people. <laughs> <laughs> and his kids are in on it, too. To support his lifestyle. Uh, so, like... Uh, so, one thing I really liked about this movie, actually, was... Um, the opening was quite enjoyable. Um... I liked like the kid, like the shots, 
the angles. Yeah, it's a very it's a very well shot movie. Yeah, so show, showing like where Chitty comes from was like I thought was very effectively done, and it was like it was a great credit sequence. Like it was a very good credit sequence. Uh, the set design, I absolutely adored. Like his house, the whole way it's set up is just absolutely beautiful. Uh, it has a real sense of life to it with just, like, I was looking at, like, the backgrounds and just the various objects and just the way, um, yeah, just the way the whole thing was set up was just a joy to look at and really gave a sense of the character's personalities. It's cool, too, how he, like, lives in a windmill to power his inventions. Yeah. Also, about that opening sequence, I love how they, like, oh my god, we're gonna hit this kid and her dog, we'd better swerve into this crowd of people. And then they go <laughs> off a slight hill, and the car fucking explodes. <laughs> like, not even a small explosion. Like, giant fireball. That's what happens when you're going, like, ten miles an hour. Off a 35 degree incline for ten feet. Uh, safety regulations were less stringent back then. Uh, your car exploding... <laughs> because of mild turbulence it's actually just the angle if you ever like go down a slight incline in a car from the from the early 1900s it just explodes, just explodes. boom fucking done when i was your age we had to drive downhill both ways <laughs> fireballs all the time you see the town lighting up at night uh, yeah, so, like, yeah, like, the set design, and then, like, it, it continued where, like, a lot of the locations they chose, I thought, were, like, uh, absolutely perfect for this movie, like, her, um, although I wasn't, like, super into the songs, like, when she was singing in the, uh, in her, like, garden or whatever, like, very beautiful, um, fit the song perfectly, and also, like, fit the character, too. She, like, opened her mouth to an unsettlingly wide amount. Like slightly wider than it looks like her face should really accommodate. <laughs> and the uh, and the castle, like like Bulgaria, was uh, was a was a cool area. I like the town and and the castle especially. And the vulgar air. Yeah. Well, and, and and the toy maker shop was another set that I thought they did a very like good job on. Um, yeah, the prop the props to the prop makers. Yeah. But, like, actually, though, like, it just brought so much life to a lot of the sets with just all the objects, like, just the way they set up all these, like, objects in the in the background. I was, it was something I just picked up on in the background because uh, I was bored with the songs. <laughs> Speaking of, what's everyone's favorite song? Um, Posh? Yeah. It's a real good contender. Yeah. I like the bamboo stick. Bamboo stick's pretty good. Choreography for the bamboo stick one was very impressive. Yeah. I just don't imagine myself, like, singing that for a day from now, but I can, like, imagine myself singing Posh for Days. <laughs> posh for Days, unfortunately, cut from the final version of the film. <laughs> um, I mean, like, talking of choreography, just, like, toot sweet. Yeah. 100 dogs. Yeah. And 36 dancers or something. It was a several weeks, was it? I'm gonna check my facts. Uh, but but yeah, I, I mean, well, and that actually was like that was because I was focusing on the other sets. But like the candy factory, like the office. I know I think it was Spencer you remarked about the dude's office. Like that was a 
damn cool freaking office that he had. And the way the whole candy factory was set up was, uh, was very like, yeah, like it was just, like just the sets were so well done in this movie. I was really impressed with, uh, with how they, how they did that. Like, I, I'm trying to think of one that I didn't really like and there's nothing that really sticks to mind. There we are. Toot Sweets took three weeks to film and involved 38 dancers, 40 singers, 85 musicians, and 100 dogs. Wow. That's a long fucking time. Yeah. Three weeks. It's for like one scene, too. Yeah, what is that, four months dog time? (laughs) And like, let's be honest, not really one of the marquee scenes of the film. Yeah. It happens, I really thought it happened after the circus and was the cause of his, like windfall in order to buy chitty uh chitty but no it's just very unimportant well it's later important yeah it it Chekhov's guns us yeah because like it was a scene where because i was so focused on the second half of the movie like i didn't even you guys were like yeah there was candy scene i was like oh right yeah that scene i remember that scene now um that dog damn smart yeah Honestly, when I think Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, I think almost exclusively of the second half of that film. I was really surprised, like, how much movie there is before that. Yeah, whereas, as I've said earlier, uh, I very much remember the first half of that movie. Because once we get into Bulgaria, we get that lullaby. And that just knocked me out many times as a kid. Especially since it's, like, two hours into the movie. And, like, the weird thing is, like, like, like it, it makes sense within the context of the movie because the third act is a story, but within the third act is three acts. <laughs> like, it is an entire story unto itself right in there. Yeah, which, yeah, it makes sense because he's telling us. Uh, yeah, yeah, it, but, like, it leads to this, um, like, at least uh, when I was thinking of the movie when we were in, in part of our discussion earlier, like... I was thinking like almost exclusively of either like the very beginning of the movie and like the third act. Um, like the first act is just this, like it just doesn't feel that important within the context of the rest of the movie. Yeah, and that's why I definitely why I mixed up where the circus and the candy factory take place because of just how how that act is structured. Huh. I just want to see the director's cut version where instead of sitting down and singing that kid a lullaby, he sits down and starts another story. <laughs> Inception 2. Actually, like, I love after he's, uh, uh, yeah, like when he says the, does the song to the kid and the toy maker's like, that's a real nice thing, but like, it's not going to solve any problems. I was like, thank you. Thank you. Songs do not solve problems. And yet... And yet, they were all proven wrong by Dick Van Dyke. Yeah, he saw, song solved all his problems. Um, was the toy maker supposed to be Jewish? I couldn't, I, I kind of got that feel, but I wasn't, I'm not sure. He was Bulgarian. Yeah, like, is he supposed to be literally Jewish, or? No, but I mean, like, okay, so obviously Bulgaria is supposed to be, like, one of those Germanic countries. And I definitely got, like, German Jew from the toy maker. I don't know. I could be wrong. Yeah, I didn't get a very strong uh, Jewish coding from the toy maker. I mean, like, if we really wanted to read into it, it'd be pretty easy to make that argument in the sense of, like, like the way, like, the nobles interact with him, the way, 
like they all laugh and like look down on him the way they don't trust him um like it's like oh like we don't trust a person who makes toys in a country with no children where like his occupation singles him out yeah like 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 if an english teacher sat me down or if like sat me down and said write an essay about how Chitty Chitty Bang Bang is an allegory for Jewish persecution in Germany during World War II, I'd go like, okay, that's pretty easy. I can do that. And, like, it's obviously not an important part of the film, but it is a a, a relatively prominent subtext. Yeah. Yeah, it it was something like, at least when I was watching it, I didn't read into it too deeply. uh, And and then I didn't really pick up on it until, like, Shauna was, like, pointed out. And I was like, yeah, yeah, like, that makes sense. It, it is a subtext you can pick up on. Um, the uh, the child catcher. Weird character. He's what everybody remembers from this movie. Um, I, 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 I agreed with you on his the way he had set up his wagon, where it just falls off as soon as they're captured. Like, aha! And he just pulls the <laughs> string and it like all falls apart. <laughs> Revert to cage mode. He would have solved all of the problems in Neverending Story and Jumanji. <laughs> and maybe Back to the Future if he, like, increased his age range. I don't really know what they count as legally a child. The youngest person we see is probably in their 30s. That is just not a forward-looking social policy. <laughs> like, we passed a law, how can there be children? Yeah, that leader is literally the most, like, archetypical, out-of-type, like, royal. Yeah. Like, the way he just utters in disbelief, like, but we passed a law, how could this happen? <laughs> like, yeah, I guess I guess because no one wanted to lose their head, they're just like, yep, we definitely captured all of the children from the village. That's why we brought two children in. We got them all, sir. And, like, did they just execute the children? Like, just put them in the dungeons forever? I mean, admittedly, he was pretty, like, fast and loose with the executioner's axe. <laughs> like, his British prisoner shows up, and within three seconds, he's like, we'll kill him then! <laughs> yeah, like, it wasn't like, hey, maybe we got the wrong guy for Turtum. It was like, oh, you're, you're the wrong guy? Uh, we'll just cut your head off, I guess. Uh... <laughs> Uh, one of my favorites is, is definitely the scene they recreated in Greece. That was a good one. Those captured scientists were very positive. <laughs> yeah, they their spirits had been broken with torture. That time. awkward silence. I when I came here, uh, like the first when I yeah when I first got here, I was a midget. They just like there was like a solid six seven second silence <laughs> where nobody said anything and just kind of like awkwardly looked around. <laughs> Yeah, that was a weird implication that he'd been on the rack so many times. He'd been stretched to this tall six foot. Yeah, head. yeah, he had been he'd been stretched an extra three to four feet. Yeah, I mean they didn't do it to the clock keeper. He's he was still he was still a, sh- a short person. I think they did, did the the thumb screws to him. If that's the right guy I'm thinking of. I don't know. One of the guys like showed his thumbs like oh, no, screw no. your thumbs. No, no, I'm talking about the guy in the in the yeah. castle. He's just like you're late, or you're uh, early. I think he says that. That high society, though, 
with their half-assed badminton and their single-lane no-ball pool. <laughs> the, the story actually had it's um it's very interesting elements of surrealism. The this movie uh, the story element of it reminded me a lot of Haran and the Sea of Stories by Salman uh, Rushdie. Uh, in the like surrealist, um, it's uh, it's surreal, but in in a um, in a children's sense, like like it, it, it like yeah, it reminds me of like Ron. It reminds me a bit of like Alice in Wonderland, where like there's like some dark elements to the world and like serious like serious threats. Uh, but at the same time, it has, like, a very positive bent, and is just very weird, uh, reality-bending. So, Vulgaria was entirely created by Roald Dahl and is not in the original novel. Really? Huh. Yep. The original novel is just about the Potts family and their flying car who rescue a French candy maker and his family from ordinary gangsters led by Joe the Monster. Huh. Gangsters? Ordinary gangsters, according to IMDb. Huh. Uh, so, Tepper, you were talking about how these kids were awful, right? Yeah. Um, apparently, so the director thought so, too. Uh, the director, Ken Hughes, hated children, and Van Dyke would often have to tell him to stop cursing in front of them. <laughs> the director, a man after my own heart. Damn children. It's one of the longest children's films in history. Certainly for its time. It was long. Like, it, they packed a lot of stuff into this. Movie. Yeah, it's it's a long-ass movie. Yeah, well, uh, the next children's film to surpass it was some of the Harry Potter films. Well, I do gotta say, I appreciated this film actually had an intermission. Yeah, yeah, thank you, Phil. <laughs> I still love this movie. It was exactly as good as I remember. <sighs> Yeah, so, like, to, to order my thoughts in, like, a more constructive way, this movie's not bad. It's not really my thing, because musicals aren't my thing. Uh, or at least, like, live-action musicals are not my thing. So, as much as, like, I wasn't into it, definitely doesn't mean it's a bad movie. Like, it is, um, as far as I could, like, see, and in my knowledge of film, it looked like a very well-put-together movie. Um... Like, all the performances, I really enjoyed. L large amount of extras in many of the scenes as well. Um, choreography for a lot of, like, the musical performances were good. The songs were, like, executed seemingly pretty well. Like, I can't really find, um... I can't find technical mistakes, if you know what I mean. It's just, like, yeah, like, I just, I don't like kids... Um, and these kids were shits, and I don't like musicals, and this, live-action musicals, and this movie was a live-action musical. You know, I, I would have appreciated it if the third act was kind of, like, spread out a bit more through the rest of the movie. Like, if we got introduced to the, like, storyland earlier in the film, it would have mm. made it seem less disconnected if, like, he was telling the kids a little bit of the story at the beginning of the movie... And then, like, more later. Yeah, where he goes, there's, here's, like, a, pre like, the president, or the king of Bulgaria, and then, like, talks a little bit about that, and then have some real stuff, and then another piece of the story, more, 
Yeah, no, I, that would that would have been a pretty good structure, I think, actually. Yeah, well, I mean, that would have that would have been if Roald Dahl had actually like written the book, not Ian Fleming. I wonder if we're gonna see ever see a remake of Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Yes. Oh uh, well, I don't think it would hold the same appeal. Because, like, cars aren't as special, if you know what I mean, as they used to be. Yeah, we won't see it before Mary Poppins. Once we get a Mary Poppins remake, we're gonna see a Chitty Chitty Bang Bang remake. We'll watch Hollywood absolutely bastardize and destroy it. I have I have no faith that they would be able to do a remake. Oh, like man. That just captures the feeling of the original. Just like a modern Mary Poppins, though. With just, like, shitty kids on their iPhones. <laughs> the dad can still work at a bank. I never watched Mary Poppins, so... We'll get to it at some point. It was not nearly as important to me, though, as Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Or Bedknobs and Broomsticks. That's number two for my weird 60s musicals. It's... Yeah, like... I wonder what the difference... So, like... You already talked about some of the differences that the movie has from the book. I wonder if somebody will ever do, like, a faithful adaptation of Ian Fleming's book. I don't imagine that's worthwhile, but who knows? Yeah, like maybe it is good and it just never got the proper treatment on screen, but who knows? This was just when the James Bond movies were starting, so they want wanted to make it different than a James Bond movie. Yeah, Chee Chee Bang Bang is literally just James Bond in Fantasyland. Lightly squeeze the hooter. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Slightly squeezing the hooter will often get you out of dangerous situations. <laughs> what a line. That way. And just so casual. I mean, it has an innocent intention. Fair. It just, that got us all. Mind you, by 1968 when the movie was filmed, probably wouldn't have had an innocent intention. It would have been very intentional. <laughs> so, um, we've now seen Chill Business Dad. Or in this case, Chill Inventor Dad. So we've got another variation to add to the list. This is the most dad we've gotten in a movie. Uh, it so it actually is, yeah. Like, most, at least, biological dad. Like, Christopher yeah. Lloyd is also an inventor dad. Mm. He's just surrogate dad. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, biological dad, this is the most... Uh, we've had so far, and uh, also um, casual reference to beating children at the beginning of this movie. Murdering them, even. Yeah, murdering them, too. You're going to murder that car. If you don't step back, I'll murder you, too, as well. (laughs) Yeah. There'll be two more. Yeah, yeah, I think he said... was not subtle about it. Yeah, he's like, yeah, like, if you don't go, go away, essentially, there'll be two more. Yeah, no, they were, uh... Uh, he should have been cast as the child catcher in the story. Actually. More accurately, the child catcher should have been that character, but... Yeah, that would have been good. Unfortunate. He would have been probably a little too noticeable, though. That early in the film. (laughs) Um, I mean, we only only mentioned that we liked the spies. We didn't really say anything about them, but... Uh, So for the spies, um... It's been a while since I've read Hamlet, but The Spies reminded me of uh, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, if that's how you properly pronounce it. Like, just 
I don't know why, but I almost said Ornstein and Smo. <laughs> <laughs> Which are very different characters. Biggie Smalls. Uh, anyways, yeah. Yeah, uh, kind of reminded me of them, like these two uh, weird characters working for the bad guys. In this in this movie, they didn't get off. They didn't get sent to their deaths. Spoilers for Hamlet. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Man, I have tickets to that next week. Why would you do this? <laughs> uh, I just found their their disguises of whatever that ship thing is very endearing. That's yeah. That was the highlight of them for me. Just their introduction in these big tubes. Yeah, in the vents. Yeah, and then like I love like we have to act like when when you're in Britain you gotta act like British people. They walk around the corner like the crazy stride and no they were. uh... There was other people on that beach, that beach that the tide completely came in on, and then a ship started shooting at a car. There's people just casually sitting on that beach. It was a story. It's fine. They were in the story. (laughs) Yeah. It's a beach. There's going to be other people at the beach, especially on a day like that. Like, the weather looked nice. The sun was shining. It was a ways up the beach. Pretty sure it's the exact <laughs> same spot on the beach. I do like their their practical effects for the cannons, where they just shoot a ring of smoke. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Worked on me as a kid. It was pretty intense. It was a very British movie, for obvious reasons. But uh, it was, it was kind of nice to, to have... It just be so quintessentially British, like tea and crumpets and references to going through the jungles in Africa and India, and um, it, it had a it had a nice tone to it. The uh, the movie that uh, was quite enjoyable. The Child Catcher was the inspiration for Marilyn Manson's "Smells Like Children" EP. The title and cover art, as well as Manson's outfit and appearance during the album. That sounds like Manson. Smells like children. (laughs) That's a creepy sentence. And with that... (laughs) I mean, we know Tepper's least favorite characters. (laughs) All kids must die. Yeah, what was everyone else's least favorite character? Probably Truly. Yeah, she wasn't very well developed. Yeah, not, like, super well-developed, and, like, not a super compelling character. Like, she kind of just helps Dick Van Dyke for no reason. Because she hates... loves her father. Maybe one of those two, maybe both. Spencer, you truly hate her? I actually wasn't crazy about the, the grandfather. What? I don't know, something about him I didn't... I wasn't crazy about crazy didn't care much for him maybe truly i don't know who i like the seventh kid to enter the great hall (laughs) that one was a dick so so actually i just remember speaking of the kids i just remember something when the uh when the toy maker was talking about the kids he had such contempt for them like it was like he ate it like look at these savages never even seen the sun Scrabble in the dirt for food. Disgusting. That's not, that is not the tone he was taking. No, no, was... I know, but like, like I got this feeling of uh, this impression from it. Maybe, maybe I would totally misread it. He's actually probably my least favorite character. Yeah, but, but it just seemed 
It seemed like he didn't give a shit about them. Like, it was like, look at these pathetic people. Oh, just like, his part could have been done just as well by an empty shop. He was mostly exposition. He was required to smuggle them into the castle. Kind of. And to reveal to them the situation in the town. He was mostly exposition. Like, they could have delivered the two boxes without the toy maker. It wouldn't have made as much sense, but... Could have Trojan horse them. Yeah. I'm a big fan, fan of that song. She did that one in a, in a single take. That was a really good, um, just the choreography. Uh, what's the, the technical name of the like song? Like the doll, the doll portion. Yeah. Alright, now's the portion where we sometimes ask the, the, uh, watchers to rate the movie on arbitrary scales. Uh, I give this movie a non-existent pool ball on a single lane pool table. Uh, I will give it one submarine car. I'll give it one crashed car. Out of one unkilled child. Yeah, I'm so sad. <laughs> I'll give it four crashed cars out of five. We get a lot of crashed cars in the movie. Mostly, mostly trulies. It's a good thing it's like right around the corner from a scrap shop. It's not 100% clear. Yeah, good. Like, yeah, like, good stuff. It was a, it was a solid movie. Yeah, can't thanks. can't really complain about it. It was a musical. Yeah, thanks everyone for watching it with us. I've been your host Ivan. You can find me primarily in this podcast, but you can find a lot of cool stuff on downloadablezebras.com. Uh, I'm Shauna. Uh, you can find me in this and other podcasts, and also on downloadablezebras.com. Uh, I was Spencer, and you can find me at downloadablezebras.com and at, on Twitter at Spencer underscore Hughes. Uh, I'm Tepper. You can find me under the uh, pen name of Feldia on Downloadable Zebras and my podcast series Creation Story. And a special thanks to 8-Bit Jazz for the use of their song. You can find them on YouTube or follow the link in the description.